This North Carolina triad-based podcast is proudly brought to you by an amazing triad-based business. Ashley McKenzie Sharp with Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. Whether you're in the market for a new home or not, I'm willing to bet that you've at least thought about making a change. And with the fluidity of real estate and interest rates, your strategy may change by the day. But you know what? There's a nationally recognized loan originator right here that can pivot with you. Need a full qualifying approval to make that competitive offer? Maybe a quick turnaround on closing is the little something extra to help you win the home. Ashley McKenzie Sharp can help. And if you're not moving, there's a decent chance you have more equity in your home than you realize. Ashley can help you turn that equity into a long overdue home renovation. Whatever your approach, just give Ashley a call and check out your options. 336-748-4599 or email ashleym at fairwaymc.com. Ashley McKenzie Sharp, NMLS ID number 100776, is a licensed mortgage originator in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Florida. Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 2289, equal housing opportunity. This is the Triad Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode with Jennifer Johnson. We talk money. We talk finance. We talk a lot about the market because there's been a lot to talk about related to mm-hmm. the state of our economy. But today we're going to, as we've done previously, we're going to step away from that just a bit because people probably have overwhelmed, uh, are probably overwhelmed with market <laughs> talk, whether it's Might in be. writing, whether it's in podcasts, whether it's pundits on television. Uh, that's all you're reading about is just the state of our economy because there's a lot to discuss, quite frankly, related to that topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but right. today's main focus with Jennifer is is away from that. I think some of our best podcasts are where we provide um, some tips, some advice, and we've got a good one today. That being said, Jennifer, I did because it's been a while since we've done a show and a lot has happened. You whether it's mm-hmm. inflation or gas prices or uh, sure. being in a bear market um, or, or you know, heading toward a recession, all those words and, and phrases and terms that we see in the national media. I really just wanted to ask you to start off before we get into our subject. What is, as a certified financial planner, what is your analysis of the state of our market and economy? Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think we're we're in a great deal of uncertainty, which has led to the market, you know, being down a lot to start the year. And we've talked about some of the reasons before, so I won't get into too much depth with those. But, you know, coming out of COVID and how consumers are going to behave now that they're leaving their homes to um, inflation that remains stubbornly high in general. I think a lot of that is still due to, um, for one, China being in lockdown. And so that's that's only been a few weeks, really, that Shanghai, I think, has come out of lockdown. A lot of stuff comes out of there. So it just still a lot of supply chain issues that's led to, to rising prices and just in general inflation. And then, of course, you had the whole Ukraine invasion that's caused oil prices to go up. So so still stubborn, this inflation that, you know, a lot of us had hoped would, would be gone or be less of an issue now. We're, we're still, it's still hanging on. Um, and you might say, well, why does that, you know, why does that matter? I mean, one, because, you know, the inflation causes, you know, costs to go up for companies. Um, and so they, unless they can pass those on, that means less profits. And, and we still don't know, you know, how much inflation is going to stay with us. And, 
of course, with gas, you know, too, uh, people have to put gas in their cars, you know, as we've talked about, I think, before. So that means they can't spend money on on other things. And and so there's a real worry out there that that's going to cause the economy to go into recession. Um, we talked, I think, maybe it was last year about what is a recession. That would probably be a great episode for folks, you know, to go back mm-hmm. and listen to, you know, what does that really mean? Because it's kind of a scary word. Um so I think that would be a good one just to kind of revisit. And because the inflation is, is a lingering issue and we don't want to let prices you know, spiral out of control, we've got the Federal Reserve that's raising interest rates. And so that affects a lot of stuff, too, you know, from um, from bonds that pay an interest rate that now you know, maybe aren't paying the highest interest rate. You know, those prices aren't worth as much Those bonds aren't worth as much in the market to like growth strategies that are long term investments. You know, those are those are impacted by that. So we've seen, you know, markets really pull back, you know, the first half of the year here as we're into um, late June. It's still, you know, our belief that, you know, those are all negative things, certainly that I shared with you. But, you know, I think I think it's important for people to remember that, you know, as we said in, in that whole you know session on recessions, um, you know, that those happen periodically. It doesn't necessarily mean complete devastation or anything. It just means instead of, you know, an ongoing continued growth, you know, you'll have maybe a quarter or two in which, you know, our, our economy doesn't expand, it doesn't grow um, as it maybe has been in the previous quarters. Um, so, so that's obviously not great, but, you know, it's not the end of the world too. And I think it's important for people, it's, it's maybe not in the news as much, but just to remind folks that, you know, even though we have some negative headwinds, we're still in a pretty resilient economy and we still have tremendous job openings. Uh, we still have a consumer that that has a lot of cash. We have businesses that are that have cash, too, and have made really good profits. Um, if they survive COVID, they probably survived in a really good way. So so I think those are real positive things that people may not hear if they uh, watch the news or, 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 you know, hear, you know, hear news reports that tend to be a little bit sensationalized. So, so I think that's important to keep in mind. And then, you know, things that I think are really important to share, you know, as, as a planner, as you said, as, as a CFP, um, you know, you want to help people plan for these kind of big goals, right? So generally you're investing not for a six month period, but, you know, it may be, you know, a, th- a 30 year period or, or longer, if you think about like you save for like retirement, and then you live in retirement. So it's this long period of time. So, so I think it's important to know that, you know, one, these sorts of things happen, um, they're not uncommon at all. It always feels really horrendous when you're in that moment. Um, but if you look at market behavior, you know, it's not unusual what we've seen at all. Um, it's still our belief that markets will probably stabilize here in the summer um, and, and likely push, you know, push higher as we get into the fall with some of this uncertainty kind of gets behind us. Um, that's a common pattern, you know, we see, especially in midterm election years. So I would say, you know, keep that long term perspective, you know, know these things happen. If you're in a balanced portfolio that's appropriate, you know, for your your time frame on the investment for your comfort level with risk, you know, you're, you're most often better not to freak out, you know, and sell those investments, you know, here now that they're down, because inevitably you'll do that at the worst possible moment, you know, you'll do it at the time 
that, you know, things are down and, and you know, we know um, intellectually that you don't want to do that. You don't want to sell stuff when the prices are low, but yet our emotions kind of mess with us. Um, so that's a, that's a mistake I see, you know, pe- people make. And then, and then l- the last thing I'll leave with folks is that, you know, I think it's so important for people. You've got those big goals, retirement, college, whatever it might be. You know, don't stop saving for those goals because you see the markets down. Like that's a common question that I get is, you know, it's frustrating for people. You put $500 in an account as an example, and you see it go down $1,000 on that quarterly statement. And they're like, gosh, you know, it's like my money just evaporated. But, you know, it's really important for people to remember that, you know, you're going to, you know, if you're buying um, an investment, you know, you're getting more shares for that $500 than you mm-hmm. did last year, you know, when markets are higher, but, you know, emotionally it's really hard. And so, you know, hopefully that, that gives people some insight um, in what we see in the market, why that's happening. And just, I think some important like long-term um, tenants, you know, of, that successful investors follow to help them kind of navigate that. Yeah. If, if somebody sees their investments and their statements, and those balances go down, it obviously that doesn't mean that you're getting fewer shares <laughs> of, of those investments. Right. You have the same number right. of shares, just their value is not as high as it was, but that will that just means you can acquire more shares at a lower price, like you mentioned. Um, that's right. I, I, I appreciate that update. I know that's not our main topic for today, but I thought it was relevant just based on what's happening in the world around us. Um, right. As we know, we didn't mention it off the top, but you can see it in in the title and description of our podcast that Jennifer is with Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. They're a local company here in Winston Salem, and you know, as as people's budgets could be getting out of whack, people are spending more for gas. If if you're renting, you, you might be spending more for rent. That's certainly something that's happening around our world. Uh, Jennifer is is a great resource um, to be able to help you navigate how much you're saving, how much you need to uh, potentially adjust your, your savings and making sure that even as you go through some of these swales, um, you are not losing sight of your goals and you're still able to reach those even when things ebb and flow as they often do mm-hmm. um, within, within our economy. So, um, okay, Jennifer, let's jump into our main focus today. And I'll ask yeah. you to introduce it. And you thought sure. of this topic because uh, one of your daughters has a pretty significant birthday coming up. So how did that lead right. you into an idea for something to discuss on this episode? Yeah, I guess selfishly, it's a question that we had in our household because my oldest daughter will turn 16 on July 3rd. And, you know, she'll be she'll be driving, you know, on her own. For the first time, of course, um, assuming she passed all the tests, of course, necessary to uh, get your driver's license. Um, so, you know, she's going to be out on her own. And, you know, of course, we, you know, part of what I do is guide people on, you know, kind of how to manage day to day cash flow in addition to, you know, those long term investments that, you know, might be impacted by the market. Everybody's got to got to keep some cash and keep some liquid accounts. And, and I think for her, this is really the first opportunity, um, you know, or the first need where she's going to be out making purchases on her own. You know, she's going to be buying gas, 
you know, it's a time I think we thought about, well, how are we going to manage that? Because, you know, she's had her savings account, you know, up until now. And certainly, you know, we've been saving for her college and other things for her. But, you know, I think it's an opportunity for her to learn how to manage, you know, purchases and her, you know, budget. And so I thought other people are probably dealing with that with their kids, too, as they get older. It's just kind of a, uh, a milestone for us here as we move into next week. I'm, I'm really curious to hear some of the options that you've considered here because the way that yeah. people the way that people go about their transactions financially is much different in 2022, especially for a younger generation like like your daughter than mm-hmm. the way that that you and I grew up on that. I mean, for yeah. us, it was cash and cards. That's right. And now there's there's Venmo and Cash App and Apple Pay and, right. and all these different ways to transfer funds electronically without needing anything but your your phone. That's so true. I'm curious some of the things that you've thought about and, and how to responsibly do that in your family. Yeah, yeah. We you know, we thought about a few options. I mean, the main things that we're thinking about now, of course, are what what would be the best you know, card or cards for her to have and keep with her. Um, Because, you know, like you mentioned gas, I mean, you know, gas, as we talked earlier with inflation, you know, gas, of course, is, is adds up quickly, right? So, I mean, whereas when I was got my license, you know, you could take a few dollars in cash and go in and, you know, pay somebody and say, I want $4, you know, or $5 on pump number four or whatever. And you'd get a decent amount of gas in your car. Whereas now, I mean, she really can't do that. So, you know, it just doesn't make like logistical sense for the most part, I think, for her to pay for gas, you know, with with cash. I, I, I don't pay for for gas with cash. I, I, I doubt many people do. And and to your point, you know, I think as, as she moves into kind of adulthood, you know, I'm thinking ahead, you know, thinking about how you know, this is should be hopefully a learning experience for her. Like, how is she going to manage her expenses when she then goes to college and when then she then becomes a young adult. I feel like now's the time to set the foundation for her, like give her some tools that she can use to, you know, once stay on top of it. Because as we've talked before, I think these, I mean, realistically it's 2022. She's not going to pay in cash. Right. I mean, she's not going to buy stuff in cash really. I mean, she does now, you know, she gets birthday money or whatever she, cash is a check or whatever. But as she moves into to managing her own money, you know, I, she, she's not going to, she's not going to do that. So I just think it's a good chance to, for her to, to learn. But, but I think there's dangers with different types of cards that I thought we could talk about today yeah. um, and opportunities there. And, and then also, you know, like you said, she's going to have all these options, you know, like Venmo and different stuff, you know, that, that did not exist, you know, for us. And we had to split that bill you know, and y'all went out to eat. Um, but I basically um, have narrowed it down. I think there's probably three, three things maybe to, to think about here. Okay. Um, when, when you've got kind of a, a young or a, an older teenager, maybe, or I mean, I don't think that you have to be 16 necessarily. You could start younger. I mean, I've read people have kids as, as young as, you know, eight, nine, 10 with cards of some sort. That seems awfully young to me, but, you know, um, I'm certainly not going to try to raise other people's kids, but, but I think, um, 
there, you know, you do want while they're in your household, you know, to, to start to learn some of these things because as parents, you know, you can oversee it ideally, you know, put some safety nets in there. Um, so really, I guess there, there are three main types of cards that I thought might be worth, you know, talking about and kind of pluses and minuses of those. Um, so I thought we could, we could talk about that a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump into that. And, and yeah, before we do that, I, I, I cannot even fathom my oldest son, who's about to turn nine, <laughs> having some Giving sort him a of, card. Yeah. Having <laughs> some sort of card and being able to use that responsibly. I mean, you know, we, we try right. to, we, we, we tried to use some responsibility and we try to teach them about saving money and spending money and using their own, like, you know, if, if they do chores around the house and right. they get birthday money and they get, um, you know, they might get a reward for a good report card. And so when they want to buy something, it has to be something that they think about. Um, and, uh, you know, when you get money for your birthday, you want to put it in a spending bucket or a saving bucket or both or a donation mm-hmm. bucket. Um, you know, just some of those fundamentals, but in terms of, in terms of using a card, uh, that's not something I can wrap my head around for, for our oldest son. Who is, uh, I know. Nine. So I know uh, I couldn't either. Yeah. It's so like abstract. Right. I mean, I yeah. think that's where yeah. like adults get in trouble too. Right. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. and we've kind of talked about the dangers of that before for people yeah, like people yeah. and adults, you know, and like talked about maybe some of the times when it might make sense to go old school and get you some envelopes and some cash. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So what, what are these, um, what are these three different types of cards that, yeah. that you think are out there for your daughter or, and for anybody else who is in a state of, uh, where their child is, um, getting to a point where they can be financially independent. I think most people start with, either a, a debit or credit cards. And, and, and it's probably worthwhile to, to talk about the difference between the two where a debit card is linked up to your checking account. So when you make a purchase on your debit card, it debits that, that checking account. And, and obviously you don't want to, your limit is defined by whatever you have in the car co- in the account, you know, of course at that moment. And, and it requires, of course, monitoring that. So you don't get into overdraft or, um, you know, run out of money and, and or get the, the card decline. So, so that's an option. I think that's probably, I don't know the answer to this. I was going to say that's generally where most people start, but, uh, but that's, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, the, um, the advantage to that, what I like about it would be, you know, you, you'd need to learn to stay on top of the account. So you'd, you know, you'd have to know how much you had in there, you know, you'd, you'd need to, to learn a little bit of budgeting um, when using the debit card. There's typically no annual fee or anything like that for a debit card. So it has those advantages, um, you know, real disadvantage though, I think of the debit card that people may or may not be aware of is that the fraud protections are not as strong on your debit card than your credit card. You know, most credit cards, if you look at it, as long as you, as long as you notify the credit card company that there's been some sort of, you know, somebody has gotten your card or you see transactions that you know aren't you, as long as you notify them promptly, you've got a pretty low limit of liability typically. It might be as low as $50. Whereas, um, you know, when somebody gets a hold of your debit card, now they'd have to have a PIN number, you know, typically to use that debit card. I, I probably should have mentioned that earlier, but 
you know, you're using that debit card with a pen, but the you know, criminals have gotten pretty sophisticated with, you know, putting devices on ATM machines, on gas uh, pumps where they can pick up what your pin number is. And then, you know, once they have that card information, they could then, you know, use it, use that card number and your pin number to make a lot of purchases. So if you don't realize it pretty quickly, I mean, you, you could, you could run into a lot of liability there. And I think especially for a young person, you know, getting used to using the debit card, I think, I think that that has some positives, but I, I would definitely encourage, um, you know, parents to stay on top of that as well. Um, I think one is to, is to have them encourage them to, you know, set a, a spending limit, you know, for what they're going to spend, be aware of what's in the account, have parents monitor it as well. So they don't get an overdraft or you see some crazy, you know, debits going on in there because, you know, kids, they, which I buy stuff online too, but you know, I think her first thought is you order something like mm-hmm. you don't go to the store. Right. So, you know, like ordering things online, maybe with a, a debit card, I think that risk of theft, you know, is, is, is pretty high and, and you'd hate to see, you know, a, a young kid's account get wiped out mm-hmm. before they realized it. So, so that's one, you know, one type of card, um, you know, the other, the other type, um, and I should mention you know, maybe before we move, my third type of card really maybe is kind of a subset of a debit card and that you can have prepaid debit cards where, um, you know, you have a, a dollar amount that's preloaded, kind of like I think of them like a gift card, really. I mean, so, you know, you'd have maybe a reloadable gift card there where you, you know, you give that, you know, your, your kid a, a debit card and maybe you put $300 a month on there, you know, and, and I think it's maybe a know your child situation, you know, with, you know, our oldest, I think she's pretty responsible. She's pretty conservative when it comes to spending. Like I, I don't anticipate that, you know, with a debit card, she would wipe clean her, you know, her checking account. <laughs> um, but I think with other kids, you know, our, our younger daughter, I don't know, you know, she's a little more impulsive, Um you know, it may be that she's a better fit for the prepaid one, at least in the beginning, you know, get her used to, there's a limit on this guy and you can't Mm -hmm. go over it. You know, one, you know, concern, well, and obviously you'd limit the theft there, but you'd also have the possibility if that's all you have. And, you know, I think about the kids out driving and you're running out of gas and you don't have any money on the debit card. You know, I worry about kids getting stranded right out you know, out and not being able to buy gas and, and getting stuck somewhere. Maybe that I don't want them to be stuck at. So, so it may be a combination too, whereas I think the debit card, you know, has some advantages and, and if you're really worried, you could do a prepaid one, but certainly help them monitor it. But, you know, often a lot of people do, you know, go ahead and get um, your child, their own credit card. So um, we've definitely talked about credit cards, right. In the past. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, the dangers of those. And yeah. I think I would, I would stress because I, I know I have, you know, seen that and professionally where people get in trouble with credit cards, you know, and, and that follows them. So I think especially starting young, you know, you want to set some really good, um, really good kind of boundaries maybe for your child, if you're going to go that route, because instead of being linked to a, a, 
bank account where there's, you know, a limit of whatever's in the account at that time, be it $100 or $1,000 or $10,000, you know, you get a credit card, it's going to have a limit on there. Um, but, but there tend to be higher, you know, for one. And then, you know, you, you can even a lot of times maybe run over that and incur some fees. And then um, it's, it's a situation too, where it's not directly debiting a checking account. And so, you know, you'll get a bill, somebody gets a bill at the end of the month, right? And you hope you can pay it, right? And because if you can't pay it, of course, you know, we know how credit cards work. Yeah, There's an interest rate, it's usually quite high. You know, if you only pay that minimum of 35 or $50, whatever it is, five years down the road, you're still paying for whatever you bought, right? And This show is presented by The Ginther Group, a real estate team based right here in the triad and the only ones we trust here on the Triad Podcast Network. I've been podcasting with Blake Ginther and his team for a few years now, always blown away by how well the experts at The Ginther Group can make sense of a rapidly changing and oftentimes chaotic real estate market. I know I feel smarter after each episode we record right here on the Triad Podcast Network. Then when it came to sell a home, I chose the Ginther Group. They steered me in the right direction at all times in terms of how much time and money to invest in order to maximize the things I wanted out of the transaction. And we ended up selling for nearly 10% above asking. Look, I can't guarantee you the same results, but why wouldn't you at least meet with them and see what's possible? Call 336-283-8689 or visit theginthergroup.com to see if the Ginther Group can help you own your future. Now back to the show. How do you set those boundaries? You know, I mean, you you can put a, you have a limit certainly on your credit right. card, but in terms of those boundaries so that um, things don't get too out of control, um, I mean, some of these, like, you, you can't necessarily do this from a technological standpoint. It has to be more of just setting the ground rules as an adult mm-hmm. to your child. Um, right. But I'm curious right. to know if, if you have any tips on yeah. how to establish those boundaries with a credit card. I think so. I mean, I think one with a, with a kid, you know, you, unless you're adding that child to a credit card of yours, you know, which as an additional, you know, card holder, um, you know, certainly if they're getting their own card, you want to start with, I think, a pretty low limit, you know, maybe it's $500 or $1,000, but, you know, and, and that might, that's probably going to be different per household, but you don't want to, I think, give them a limit where they can get in over their head pretty quickly. Um, and I think, one, there's some education, you know, going into that where you're, you know, you're setting expectations of this is what the card is for, you know, and, and, and saying to them, okay, you know, this, this has a limit of X dollars, but remember, you're going to have to pay that at, at the end of the month, you know, because if you don't, I think maybe some, some real examples of how long it takes to pay off $500 at 18%, you know, interest, right? So, and helping them kind of understand that because, you know, I see young people starting their careers that, you know, in, in college, maybe got a credit card for the first time, didn't have any real clear boundaries, you know, about how much to put on there, um, you know, didn't have any tools for, you know, for monitoring that. So I, I think one is, is some, you know, old school, you know, uh, 
setting some kind of some rules, you know, about what to put on the card, how much to put on the card. And yeah. then I think, I think you can use some technology to sort of monitor that. Right. So, I mean, I think you, you want to be able to, you know, like I have a visa, you know, uh, credit card, you know, I've got the app on my phone. So, you know, you open it up, you see what you've charged. I think, you know, you want to encourage them to do that because and I think this is not just young people. This is a lot of people, but you know, you just, it's so easy now. Our, you know, our, our world is so easy just to keep on stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you don't realize how much, and I think especially with inflation now and things just cost more, you know, you go to Wendy's, it's $9, you know, for one person. Right. So, you know, you realize, dang, I've re- how much have I spent this month? You know, so you can't wait till month in to see, I think what you have spent um, yeah. in, in other case, you know, really with the debit or credit card, I think it's going to have to be a really consistent, if not every day, multiple times a week where you're you know, unfortunately like checking behind your kid. The Triad Podcast Network is presented by Icon Custom Builders in Winston-Salem. We've all been there. You're thinking of making some changes around the house. So what do you do? You take to social media, ask for recommendations to make those home improvements, and inevitably, you get 20 responses and each one has a different answer. You're even more confused. Well, we're here to make it easy for you. Just talk to our friends at Icon Custom Builders. Whether it's a large or small renovation, they've been transforming homes in the triad since 2005. And like we've been saying for several months now, chances are you've got more equity in your home than you realize. So now could be the perfect time to consider some upgrades. Maybe you want to modernize your kitchen or optimize your outdoor space for entertaining. You can even restore your older home with a more functional layout and design while preserving the original character and charm. Whatever's on your wish list, Icon can help turn it into reality. Now, if you're like me, the whole idea of home renovation is overwhelming. But not to worry, Icon has a full-service design-build team that guides homeowners through every step of the process. Just visit their website, IconCustomBuilders.com, to schedule a consultation and start your dream project today. You know, that that's the thing that kind of scares me a little bit. We, we talk about when it's credit cards, it's not actually taking money mm-hmm. that you have out of something. So you're not actually seeing a balance go down when you use a credit card. So that right. makes it a little easier to spend. But the thing that that worries me, and I'm curious your, your take on it, is when you have these digital methods of transferring funds through Venmo, through Apple Pay, mm-hmm. where again, right. the convenience of it almost makes it too easy to move, to, to send money sure. to somebody. And, and it's just... To me, it, it's like the easier it is to send money, the less discretion you have. That's about right. Spending That's it. Right. So I'm curious right. if if you think it's and and I'm not saying that this is this is a rule. Like a lot of this is very subjective, but you know the dangers of if you if you give your your son or daughter who's old enough now to manage their own money for the first time, if you're giving them a credit card or a debit card what you think about then tying that card or that account to a, a means of electronic funds transfer. Like Venmo or something. I, th- I think realistically they're going to, they're going to use those, right? right? I mean, they're going to use those going forward. I mean, I think 
Whereas we might, you know, a group of friends went out to dinner and the bill comes and we, everybody puts in so many, so much cash, right? I mean, they're not going to do that. They're going to, somebody might pay for it and then they're going to say, okay, I'll, I'll Venmo you $20 or Zell you $20 or whatever that app might be. I think, um, I think realistically now is a good time to, to try it. Right. I think you, you, you know, hopefully if that's coming out of that, that checking account, you know, you're helping monitor them and help them be aware of how much that that still counts, you know, yeah. even though you didn't pull money out of your wallet and, you know, and, and you didn't use your debit card, it still came out of that account. So I just, I think it's realistic. It's like, it'd be unrealistic to expect, I think a young adult, not sure. to use those methods sure. of payment. Now it, it's, it's my thought is if, you know, if you see that kind of getting where this is, get, this is going in the wrong direction, you know, they've got, they're, they're overdrafting, you know, their checking account, they've got a credit card balance that exceeds what they can pay. It's whoa, less, you know, we're going to stop this. Right. And so I think it's, you know, really change gears then. And maybe it's, you know, you take the, take the debit credit card away and say, okay, we got now, what are we, how are we going to pay this off? You know, here's what this means. And to say, okay, we can't use it anymore. We're not going to use Venmo either. Take that off your phone or whatever that might be. Um, here's your envelope of cash until they kind of show that they can use it. But I would, I, I think the key is to catch it early, right? Yeah. I mean, Cause, and I think it's like this training because realistically, like we have, we have spending habits, right. As individuals that we probably develop when we're young, that we, that carry through to our adulthood. And I think be they good or bad. Um, but what I think is so hard is when people get start off by digging a hole for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then when they, you know, come, you know, I go to your 401k meeting and I encourage them to put money in their retirement plan. They can't, right? Because they have student loans and credit card debt. And yep. so, you know, that's that's where I see this getting real is where people have, you know, and, and a lot of times it's decisions they made at 17, 18, 19 that are affecting them at 23, 24, 25 that you think, gosh, I wish, you know, I wish somebody had set some boundaries for them. I wish somebody had given them some tools. Like, I think that, like something like a mint.com that we've talked about before, you know, some of those things to like, you know, use that. Like, I think it's okay to use technology. It's just like, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, we've made it really easy to spend money. um, But we also have to use those things to help us track it too. Right. Cause if you, if you use, if you don't use those tools, then I think it's so easy to get in trouble and it just affects so much of our lives. Yeah. It is, I think double-edged sword is the good way, is the good way to put it because, you know, I, I would have my reservations about using all of these digital methods and the technology to, uh, yeah. to pay for things because of the ease in which you do it and how, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when you talk about the envelopes of cash, like you feel it more when you hand right. over cash to someone, you feel it more than if you send Venmo. Mm-hmm. But to your point, um, we are increasingly moving toward a cashless society. And, um, I mean, you see it all the time at major venues, sporting events, things like that. Um, they don't take it, do they? They don't take cash. So you got to have a phone or a card to be able to pay for things. And, and 
we're, we're, we're moving more in that direction. So the expectation right. for the, for the younger generation to, to not use these devices is, is unrealistic and not, I think not, so. Yeah. I, it's going to, it's going to so limit too. them. Yeah. I, I think you see this as like a learning opportunity, but it, you know, it's, because if, if you don't, you know, my concern as a parent is if you, if you don't learn now, you know, do you, when she goes off to school where it's harder to monitor her, you yeah. know, I mean, I think it's going to be more difficult the later you, the later you go. I think you're right about a nine-year-old. I can't imagine, like, I just don't <laughs> think like conceptually, like they get, I mean, I have one who's 10, she'll, she'll soon turn 11, but I just can't imagine giving her a card of that would just be a disaster, you know, like a, even like a, a prepaid, prepaid card. It'd be a bunch of squishmallows would show up in our house. Um, so, so I just can't imagine that. But, uh, you know, I think, I think you've, there does, there does come an age. I think it, you, you want them to try it while they're still, while you're still there to, to yeah. create kind of a safety net with them because you don't want them 23 and, you know, and then trying to, to make up their own. I mean, to some extent they, they have to take responsibility for it, but. Yeah, hopefully you give them some ways to some tools and like some some, some guidance and yeah they have they have to maybe. they have to develop <laughs> these habits and to your point you'd rather they do it while they're still under your roof yeah <laughs> and and I you can so. still you can still provide some sense of safety nets to to any mistakes that get made I mean that's I think so that's the way you learn I think so that's that's our plan I mean so what so ultimately I'll, I'll share what we kind of decided we were going to do a little bit of a combo sure. method where you know we're going to add her to um, our credit card um, and she would use that credit card just for gas is the plan and then okay. or something if we authorize you know if she asked first she could charge it um, and then we're going to try a debit card, you know, linked to her own account for other things, you know, clothes or, you know, maybe going out to eat, you know, something like that, that she more discretionary, you know, things and, and try to help her kind of stay on top of that and find some ways to kind of budget. So that's what we're, that's what we're going to try. I can, if you want, we can do an update about six months and see how that's going. <laughs> we can do an update podcast and let them know how it worked out. Um, yeah, she may hate she may hate that, but I don't think she listens, so I don't yeah. think she'll uh, well, she'll find out. <laughs> that's all right. I, I think it's a good. I mean, you're you know some sort of hybrid of the of the options that you laid out earlier. That that seems like a good way to do it. Teach and and yeah. it teaches both parts of it. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. This is this is how the credit card works. This is how the debit card works, and um, yeah. And now you know. I think with the credit card too, if you're worried about, to your point earlier about some of the fraud protection, now you have a credit card to be able to do more online and digital purchases right. that right um, that don't you know make you susceptible to to people getting very sensitive information. That's right. That's right. So we'll we'll see how it goes, but that's what we're going to give it a shot. So I hope this has been helpful for well, I, I think that means other we folks. Have to, I think that means we have to do part two, maybe uh, okay. at, the, at the end of the summer or okay. uh, six months from now, we'll say, all right, here's what we decided. Here's what you decided. We'll now, now, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What have we'll you, what have you learned? Goes. Yeah. What you're right. What have I learned yeah. that maybe um, can, can save other folks? But I, I think to your, to your point, it's, you know, subjective. I think it depends on the kid. I think yep. it depends on, 
you know, how much you're willing to monitor stuff, you know, and um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll do an update, you know, maybe I'll learn some, some tricks I can share with folks. Okay. Very good. Well, um, as we always like to do, let's, let's wrap with, uh, how people can, can get a hold of you if they have questions about their own situation yeah. or their, their own, their own child yeah. trying to reach some financial That's independence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I can guide you on any of those topics or others, feel free to reach out. We are local here in the Oakwood building and with Salem. Uh, local number 336-701-1600. They can also email me. It's simply Jennifer, like my first name, Jennifer at the number three dash, like a hyphen, magnolias with an S. So M-A-G-N-O-L-I-A-S dot com. So either one works for me. I love to hear from folks. Or if you've got an idea for another podcast, yeah. Um, something you want to hear about, uh, let us know. We, you know, we're always looking for things that people want to learn more about. Yeah. And, uh, we'll put Jennifer's information in the show notes as well. So, uh, Jennifer, this was great. Thanks for, uh, yeah. thanks for the knowledge and, uh, all the best to you and, uh, thanks. and your daughter. Wish and, me luck. and as a recording, an early happy birthday to her on a very Thank big, you. uh, big occasion. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Securities offered through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satara Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. The market indices discussed are unmanaged. Additional risks are associated with international investing, such as currency fluctuations, political and economic stability, and differences in accounting standards. The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and not necessarily those of Satara Advisor Networks, LLC. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Neither Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode on the Triad Podcast Network. Our mission is simple. Provide information, advice, and stories about the people and places that make the North Carolina Triad such a great place to be. You can find us by searching Triad Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever you like to listen. If you like what you heard and want to support the show and those that contribute, we would truly appreciate a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It helps spread the word along, as do your shares on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Triad Podcast. To get in touch with us, simply email info at triadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This is the Triad Podcast Network.